0: It's almost gonna fall for Martinez. they'll trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan Miguel Almirón. Atlanta United, in just their second year of existence, have won MLS Cup. A- oh, okay.
1: Five final, J.C.M. Jones from the Mothership and com. Joe Patch, every 9.9 9 in the game. com all the time is over there. Joe, say Woo, hey. let's
0: say, go. Let's go. Yeah. Atlanta's back. That was great. Oh, God. Friday was great. Oh, I'm so excited. MLS Cup. Here we come.
1: Yeah, we, we might be getting ahead
0: of ourselves. <laughs> Just a little bit. Maybe, um, maybe. Seventh
1: place in the East. Here we come, possibly, Maybe. That's Maybe. all we need. That's that's, that's step a, one to MLS Cup. Seventh place. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. They're close. They're close to this point. The Atlanta United beats Orlando City. Three to nothing. Moves up to eighth in the East. They have 30 points. Seventh place, Montreal has 31. Sixth place, CC is 31. Fifth place, Philadelphia has 32. That means they're only like three points out of, of getting to to fifth place in the East after after not winning a soccer game for quite literally right. three months of the season, <laughs> this is where we are. Yeah. And this is what we're doing. And we're averaging 1.7 points per game, which if you looked at it, that's uh, 0. 0.05 better than Orlando City has averaged this year. It's just behind Nashville. Uh, it's not quite New England pace, but New England is putting in the, the best season of all time, it yeah. looks like. So, <laughs> you know, but third place in the East. You take that. I mean, you ob- take
0: that every day. Obviously, what's exciting is just seeing the way the team is playing right now. You know, we we saw the turnaround start to happen under Rob Valentino. It all kind of is fundamental The thing that's fundamental in all of this is kind of the shift away from the man marking and towards the zonal marking, which Rob Valentino really started. But I think what's really encouraging and why myself, as you heard earlier, and I think a lot of other people are so excited is because you see the t- the tactics evolving and improving, and the team looking like a more cohesive group. It looked like Friday night looked easy for Atlanta United without a lot of their key players, you know, without Miles Robinson, without Joseph Martinez. um, You were able to go out there and dominate and it just, you know, that's not going to go away. Barring some sort of catastrophic injury to one of these top players. um, You know, this team's only going to keep improving, keep on building on these kinds of performances. And I'm serious. Like, I think that this team can compete for an MLS Cup. Like, I know that they're not there yet. There's a lot that has to happen between now and then. But. I don't I think you'd have to be crazy to think that this team isn't going to get themselves into the playoffs, considering how close they are to that barrier now. And if this this team does get into the playoffs the way they were playing last night, I would, you know, put, I would stack their odds against a lot of teams. The problem will be you will have to play and perform better away from home. Uh, that's a whole nother discussion. But I'm just so excited for the direction that this team is heading. It's so not only that they're
1: on the edge of that playoff line; is that they do still have the easiest schedule in the league. You pointed remaining. that out in your story, in your story, yeah, yeah. Lots, lots of home games. I think there's a home and away with uh, both Cincinnati and Toronto. <laughs> so you get four <laughs> games
0: against two horrific teams here. It's like the Braves' uh, stretches stretch. they had after the uh, All Star game there, where they. dominated you play
1: nycfc who's in fourth and then everyone else after that i mean you you play every team in front of you in that five six seven spot and then you play a bunch of teams behind you who really don't have a, a chance of making the playoffs right now so a bunch of teams either mailing it in or kind of floundering right now montreal Maybe not talented enough to, to carry through the entire season. Philadelphia looking lost lately. D.C. getting hurt a lot. There's there's some space here, and it very much seems like it's going to be occupied by Elena United. We, however, want to occupy space within your heart and within your Patreon feed. Uh, head to patreon.com slash five stripe final for more audio. Join the world famous five stripe final discord and get ready, Joe Patrick, for a show we're very very excited about yes
0: oh yeah we're gonna be talking to michael parkhurst and greg garza tomorrow they've got a uh, new website out kind of a new venture they're starting together to kind of help athletes navigate their way through um maybe sort of the off the field stuff i guess and on the field i I don't know i'm i'm interested to hear more and it will be good to catch up with garza i know not a lot of people have heard from him since uh, you know he retired and especially since he left atlanta so it'll be good to catch up with those Mm -hmm. guys yeah, I'm very interested to talk to Greg. Greg was always one of the guys who
1: you just looked forward to, to interviewing. He came up with the uh, Miguel Almaron water lizard thing that <laughs> yeah, one time, yeah, which yeah. was incredible. I was there in person for that. A uh, whole bunch of stuff to talk to Greg about. Uh, that, maybe first of which being how did it feel to kind of win mls cup and then have to go to cincinnati like two days later (laughs) yeah Uh, we'll we'll talk about all of it um they're gonna be really really fun to talk to them of course Parky will be here his third time on the show i think he's about to set a record i think for five-star final guest it's pretty impressive (laughs) um so we get to see him as well before we get to that we have to get to business time This is time. Joe, Patrick, and really just kind of one thing. I oh, There's not a whole lot of business time to get to. There's a whole lot of sports prime game time to get to here in a second. That business time. I just wanted to touch on the fact that Atlanta United has brought on board Metrica sports. It's an analytics program. I don't know a ton about them, but here's the tweet. And I copied it straight over from Twitter into a Google doc. So it says flag of the United States soccer ball. Fantastic to bring Atlanta <laughs> United on board rocket. The first team will have access to all the advantages of our elite plan. Whitehead heavy checkmark, second spectrum data integration, white heavy checkmark, pattern alarms, white heavy checkmark, personalized physical reports, white heavy checkmark, and custom visualizations. So that is very encouraging to see that that has been brought on. I'm assuming this is a Gonzalo Pineda initiative kind of thing. The timing at least works out for it to seem that way. And it also works out considering that the Gabby Heinze kind of said I think science might be fake, so you know this. Uh, this feels like an improvement, uh, all considered. I just wanted to mention that again. That's Metrica Sports. M E T R I C. Hey, that was business time, Joe Patrick. Let's get let's get to the fun stuff. This is Sports Prime Game Time. 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 Sports Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime game Time. at times or Patrick, and god dang it, if they didn't mollywop the the hell out of them, it was just a route. Like, let's not kind of get that mixed up. Like, it was a straight up route. Like, there were some issues, I think, like maybe like 60 minutes through, people were like, Oh, the XG actually isn't showing that many chances and everything like that, which felt weird at the time Mm because Alina was controlling the game. By the end of the game, it ended up like 1.6 to (laughs) (laughs) 0.3. Yeah.
0: That was the big thing, was the the 0.3, like just to keep Orlando pretty much nullified for most of the game. They got a couple, they had a couple um, decent looks early, but yeah, I mean, with a 0.3 throughout the course of uh, the game, it really was not much of a contest, honestly. And it's just, you know, again, I said it earlier, but um, just huge credit to Gonzalo Pineda and the way he set the team up and the way that the team was able to uh, understand the tactics that he had in mind. And the way he phrases it, I love, he says, we give the players the tactics and then they apply the t- the tactics on the field. And so I love the way that they applied those tactics. And he he doesn't just he isn't he. Um, He doesn't give them too much to think about. He gives them some principles to work with. But he says, he says, I give I like to give tactics where it's not completely, you know, drawn up into the goal. He gives he wants them to find their own solutions on the field, as he likes to say. And I think it sets up for this team perfectly because you have creative players like Marcelino Moreno, Ezekiel Barco, Luis Araujo, who want to play with that freedom and and play with that kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was just snapping you. I didn't mean for you to oh, stop. Oh, was oh snapping you are me the Your pronunciation. The... Okay. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Issue. Yeah. Well, on. right. I've been, working on, I've been, I've been, been working, working on on it. it. I've been working <laughs> on it. i working on it. But yeah, no, like they, they want to improvise in those situations. So um, it, it's best to let them do that, but also to give them some principles. And I thought that just overall, you saw a team that looked like they were not working as hard as Orlando was while dominating the game. And that's, that's to me, the sign of a good tactic. It looked like they had one more man out there than Orlando. I loved that. I loved everything about the press conference afterward, where he was
1: talking about. I wanted to give them a chance to solve the questions on their own, and they did that, right? Where where Gabriel Alize messed up was he defined every single answer, and there was no variation to what the answer could be, right? Mm. But in this case, you know, uh, he he let them solve those questions and let them kind of find their own space and let them make their way kind of through. on Orlando. Defense that didn't know how to handle what Pineda kind of hilariously but still accurately referred to as dual false nines, which is <laughs> just tactical
0: gobbledygook nonsense. But essentially, what it was. At if the same Frank DeBoer had said that, we'd be making Henry Winkler clo- uh, jokes right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Vizquel but, but presents so much better. Right, um, right. Um, so you know, it, which I mean, that may be more on us than anyone else. But I mean, the fact that it worked and you could understand clearly what was happening. To because Orlando did have trouble um, stopping Atlanta United from creating space. There was space through like the midfield, through through every single part of it. Everything was so much more connected, which is something we'd been talking about for a while. Is that lack of connection that Atlanta United had even in Gonzalo's first game against Nashville? You know that was all yeah. there, and that was without Joseph Martinez. That was without. Miles Robinson. I mean, that was out George Bellow for most of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason we can say this was like a brilliant tactical plan was because you could see that the players knew what was going on, that they understood the concepts that Gonzalo Pineda had put forward to them and and, want, and wanted to encourage them to, to play with. So I think that you, it was just so encouraging for, in that respect. And I thought that that was a big difference versus what we saw. The team play with under Rob Valentino, where, you know, it was an improvement under Rob Valentino for sure because he was kind of giving them that freedom that they so desperately needed. But I think that with Pineda's influence and the fact that he was able to kind of train this team pretty hard as a group over the course of the two weeks while the international break was going on, I think you really saw the impact of what that time meant to this team. And I think it's just so encouraging for what this team can be going forward when he gets more time to train with them. They get more times to, you know, put that application out there on the field during games. I think they're only going to improve again if they don't lose any players to injury or anything. I only see this team getting better and better and you have more options you can go to with players coming back into the team so it is all signs all arrows pointing up right now for atlanta united for sure all arrows pointing up for atlanta united all arrows
1: pointing down for me and the fine dog guess she tries to eat my microphone live on
0: air Dogs oh, no, love we... microphones and and cables and electricity yeah the expensive stuff the yeah. expensive <laughs> stuff speaking
1: yeah. of the expensive stuff though atlanta's expensive stuff uh, phenomenal lately all of it a secular barco so good. Yet again, uh, Luis Arruzzi. Amazing. Again, I thought um, yeah. everything really, really solid. And again, I, I really can't stress enough that Joseph was not a part of this, you know, which is yeah. interesting. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise some choices for Gonzalo, which I think are relatively easy choices. Uh, but we'll kind of get to all of that once we kind of answer your questions about this game, because there were a lot of them, because people were engaged with this one. The, the crowd was really loud. I thought everything was really loud. Everything was really positive. I think we had a really good crowd for, you know, it was a weird Friday night yeah. start time yeah. in Atlanta, you know, it was kind of um, almost
0: spooky at the beginning, just, just yeah. because <laughs> the whole time, I think that was the first time Atlanta United has ever played a home game on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they played lots of Friday games against Orlando before in Orlando, but, um, yeah, that was the first time they'd played and at that date or that schedule, uh, at home. So it was kind of weird to start, but the crowd was really into it and it was the best crowd I've heard. Um, In a while, just like when you consider the amount of fans that were in there versus the noise they were making, I think. And I think that they all appreciated what they were seeing on the field. Like, I think that that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, you see um, good play on the field and it brings you it. it, You know, you get into the game because of that. So uh, it was all it was all just really good to see Friday night.
1: Well, I kind of say that to get to the point we talked about a lot before bringing in Gonzalo Pineda was that someone needed to come in and recapture the fan base before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Right. Someone needed to come in and set this team up for for next year to feel a lot more like a, an 89 night season with high expectations, high attendance, um, high energy, etc. And right now, the time t- table is accelerated because you come out and you get in front of a good crowd like that and you just whip Orlando's ass up and down the field (laughs) the entire time, that catches people's attention. You start saying the words playoff race to people, it gets their attention. You don't have to mention they're in eighth place. You can just kind of (laughs) keep that part quiet. But you can can say playoff race. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly.
0: Uh, Um, I I would also give credit to Luis Araujo for the way that he singularly can bring people, you know, get people off their seats if they were sitting down um, because he, with the ball is just so fun to watch. And you mm-hmm. can see that he is kind of a cut above an MLS player and probably one of the better DPs in the league. And you can already see that through what it, has. He played three games so far something like that. Yeah. Um. Just a, what a, what a talent, what a buy for Atlanta United. And I just cannot wait for him to kind of get fully enmeshed with this team so that when he can be as fluid with um, Joseph and, and Mar- Marcelino Moreno and Barco as, as he can be, then I think it's going to be extremely dangerous for other teams. About three minutes in, he cuts in on his left from about twenty-five yards out and just deck gum
1: laser bludgeons a ball right <laughs> off the the bottom of the crossbar, and it almost went in. Man, it was it was one of those things where like we can't really gauge verticality where we're sitting; we're kind of above right. everything, so up and down doesn't look like. it. And when he hit it, oh, that's like thirty feet over, and then it dipped, and then it you know, um, about brought the place down. It, it's as soon as that happened, you knew there was just kind of a different energy with everything, and this game
0: Um, his his ball ball control too he gives defenses so many more things to worry about because of the way that he can move um around the field with the ball um it just creates lanes for other players I think like Brooks Lennon is really um thriving with with Luis Aroju on that side of the field because he's attracting so much attention it's opening up a lot of space for Brooks Lennon it's just things are going (laughs) really really well he I don't think any of us could have uh Expected him to integrate into the squad any better than he has.
1: Is he maybe in like our our best fairy tale visions of PT before PT came here? Mm, is he I like
0: that? Is he what that is? You know, I think so. Yeah, he seems um, to have like more strength. Like he's he's able to kind of he's stronger, faster, more athletic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with,
1: with a, a mindset to Better than, in every you know, single way. Gonna, no, I'm just probably <laughs> maybe a little. Yeah, fewer right? Instagram followers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bummer. Uh, we got to work on that. We got to work on that. But no, he, he just offers so much. And yeah. man, sometimes it's just as simple as as doing something that gets people off their feet. Like he cheated. But the nutmeg <laughs> on, I think it was Gio was yes, hysterical. Yes, yes, you so know, it, was, it was brutal. I mean, he pulled the jersey, but you know what? <laughs> no one cared at the time, right? right. So it, it's just little things like that. And that's that's fun, especially when the team is winning and, and still getting results. You and, know? but
0: and, and still impressive, again, to kind of go back to the tactical aspect of it. The way that he, as a Brazilian, uh, who I don't know exactly how much English or Spanish that he might know, but just to be able to kind of pick up on what Gonzalo Pineda was asking of him and the rest the team it was just really good to see yeah
1: exactly exactly um interesting too we've been talking about a lot of the stuff from open play you know a lot of the tactics and everything like that but both goal or two of the three goals came from set pieces which is interesting you know but but i want to give them full credit here They, they talked about it after the game and gonzalo was very open about this they mentioned that in studying Orlando City on set pieces, the assistants saw that there was some space there. If they did that quick little one 2 that short corner thing where someone would come out to whoever received the ball and would leave some space in the box. Yeah. Worked perfectly. Right. Yeah. And it's the small details like that that can go a long way sometimes that we maybe don't give other coaches enough credit for. But the fact that Gonzalo is like, yeah, we, we did this and it worked.
0: We and, rule, and he gave credit to his assistants for for spotting that, you know. And I think that that's mm-hmm. also the sign of a, a manager um, that has a lot of character. That that he was he was the first one to say it was like you got to give credit to the assistants for pointing that out, instead of trying to be act like the the smartest guy in the room and oh yeah I'm so <laughs> great or whatever. Um, you love to kind of see that humility, but and it was right. I mean, it it basically helped get eleni United the win. I said this at the time, but Gonzalo Pineda press conferences are
1: hilarious because you can. If you stop focusing on him for a second and you look around the room, you just see a bunch of journalists excitedly <laughs> yeah. nodding their head. Like, yeah, so, yeah, it's that That's kind of funny. thing you do when someone really interesting is talking, where you just nod a lot to make sure they know you're understanding because you want them to know you're understanding, yeah. right? Um, and he communicates it really well. It, it was really interesting
0: to kind of sit there and just kind of he, hear he, him talk about a win, which he, is good, he deserved it. He speaks about soccer more clearly than. I do, probably either of us. He It's it's amazing that when I go back to re-watch his, uh, his press conferences or re-listen to him when I'm cutting up the audio for 929 uh, 9 The Game, it's just it, it, the, his, the clarity that he speaks with is incredible and in the way that he's mm-hmm. able to describe what he wants the team to do on the field. In fact, it was funny. Some people in, in the Discord was like, is he giving too much away? Like, should, should we be <laughs> saying this that. much? <laughs> but it's funny. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm.
1: just the, the way Which, it I mean, We could address that a little bit and say that... <sighs> man, the smart people already know these things, right? Like yeah, the other teams yeah. already know these things, yeah. right guys? The fact that he's telling us isn't going to stop him from winning a soccer game. It's just going to help us communicate to y'all what they're doing and help the fan base and community kind of grow with that. It's, it's what a lot of coaches fail to understand across all sports sometimes.
0: Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the, the, the concepts of like soccer tactics are much different than like a play in football where it's like, you're drawing it up X's and O's and you can try to, you know, uh, neutralize a, an opponent via a certain tactic on a break to, or on a play or something like that. It's, yeah. it's not really that granular. So yeah, it's mm. uh, I really appreciate the way that he's able to speak about it. Um, let's talk about George Campbell. How about that? Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, George Campbell, phenomenal, <laughs> in, <laughs> uh, a substitute appearance again, no miles in this one, but um, uh, so good. I, I I'm honestly genuinely shocked. And for what the, The knock was on Miles, you know, about him being kind of tough and and rough. I mean, in handling the ball, Uh, Campbell is kind of the exact opposite of that to the extent, right? Like that he is phenomenal every time he gets on the ball. It seems like he's comfortable. He knows when to take space. He knows how to take space and knows how to score a goal. Apparently, too. I mean, it was an excellent, excellent performance. And it's. I, I'm starting to be convinced that maybe one through four Atlanta is better at center back than even Seattle.
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, George Campbell, I talk all the time about Miles Robinson's unbelievable athleticism and it is like his balance, the way he, his, his mixture of speed, strength and balance is absolutely incredible, but I don't think anybody on Atlanta United can, ha, has the jumping reach that George Campbell has that can, you know, help defend uh, cross into the box Protect on set pieces, things like that. Um, just a huge asset for the team to be able to to get that high um, and ha- have that kind of heading ability. He's also a very good tackler. You know, Gonzalo Pineda pointed that out a couple times. Uh, even before he scored the goal, he had some really nice tackles to to um, dispossess the opponent. And so he's just really, really good. And he also has a his background is as a striker. He was a striker before he became a center back. Um, so credit to Tony Anon, I think, who, who was the one who kind of said, you know, I think. He might be uh, a better center back I could be wrong there but um yeah I mean it just goes to show that you know, he's just a very talented player and I think you know we'll, we'll get in, into a little bit more uh, about him later because I know people were asking about him but very very uh high on George Campbell right now for sure he looked like he, he looked like uh in the DC game he came in for like 20 minutes I think at the end of that game uh and was absolutely dominant he looked similar except he did it for 90 minutes <laughs> against Orlando.
1: <laughs> Uh, if you want more from George, by the way, uh, patreon.com slash five final, head back and scroll down a little bit of ways. And we've got an interview there with George right before the season started. Before we knew he was going to be a fun part of the Lady United's turnaround here. Uh, really, really encouraging. Seems like a really good dude. Um, great kid. And yeah, it's scoring on his so mom's
0: birthday too. He actually that scored was her the great, goal. Yeah, yeah was so fun.
1: <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, three nothing. It's just a route. That's all it was. It was a beating. A beating against a team that maybe hasn't been quite themselves lately, but still they were a team who had been getting results over and over again. Second place team in the conference coming in the day. No longer such.
0: You know, and before we move into questions, I think we should also, while we're talking about center backs, you know, Miles Robinson just quickly over the international break, I think he's vaulted himself up to like the number one U.S. center back. Um, so I, th- I maybe we do have a question about him. So I think we'll talk about that. But uh, man, to, to your point about just the, the center backs that Atlanta United has, it's uh, it's an abundance of riches. And so we've been talking about earlier this season, do you, ha- do you have to sit one of these attackers, you know, when you talk about Barco, Moreno, Raju, Joseph, Now you also have to sit a a really, a pretty, a pretty good center back. Probably. Maybe two. Yeah. Maybe two of them. Yeah. Honestly, we'll get to
1: that in a little bit. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first we wanted to address a couple of games this week. Uh, Cincinnati at home on Wednesday. Joe, what do the people need to know about Cincinnati?
0: Uh, You tell me. They're bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) that, that, That was Atlanta's opponent in Rob Valentino's first game. Um, where the team was kind of discombobulated, just in terms of the state of the team, you didn't have Luis Araujo at the time, um, and they still were able to go out there and get a result, which it didn't look like they were. It was very likely that they would be able to do that. So, just goes to show how bad they are. Yeah, this this should
1: <laughs> look. There needs to be a win here, uh, plain and simple. This needs to be a win, and there so could be like three do- or four goals too. Yeah, uh, hopefully they'll see him again on the last day of the year on Decision Day, too, which is funny. That could be a real important one. And if you wanted to play anybody at this point, it would be Cincinnati on Decision Day. Um, Look, plain and simple, LA and the get the job done because because Joe Patrick next four games right here for you. You ready? Let's let's hear it. Yeah. At home against D.C. on Saturday. Huge game. Huge game. Uh, D.C. in sixth place. Then next Saturday at Philadelphia. Philadelphia in fifth place, only two points ahead of Atlanta United. Next game, Enter Miami in Atlanta on the 29th. Enter Miami is- Probably a bigger game than
0: we would've thought it would've been. been. (laughs) (laughs) Yep,
1: exactly. Enter Miami with a game in hand right now is uh, like three points behind um, fifth place, Philadelphia. Uh, So that's a huge one. They're gonna be right there for a playoff spot. And then Montreal in seventh place right now is the game after that. So every single team within your orbit Fighting for that last two or three playoff spots, you face them over the next few weeks, over Mm -hmm. the next month. Right. It's almost like a mini
0: playoff, this little four game set here. mm -hmm.
1: It's huge. It is massive, 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 massive. Because every single one of those becomes a six pointer. Right. You stop the other team from getting three. You can get three yourself if you get the job done. It's, going to be tough, of course. These aren't bad teams. These are just teams that have maybe had a few uh, um, bumps here and there, Uh, but still good teams nonetheless. It's going to be difficult, but the way they're playing right now, Laney United, why not? Good to get it done. Um, We'll get to D.C. real quick just because we do face them on Saturday. They they played Red Bulls over the weekend, which remains the funniest game in MLS (laughs) because, man, uh, the... There's no small talk. I'll put it that way. They, they don't <laughs> mess around with possession. They have been told, hey, wh- can you guys crack this egg for me? Like if you handed DC United and Red Bulls an egg and said, hey, could you crack this for me? They would go, sure. And pull out a sledgehammer and say, <laughs> I got this. So both teams just traded ridiculous blows with that. I think the passing percentage in the final third was like 29% and 40%. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so that should tell you that should tell you everything you really need to know about dc right now is that they're uh out red bullsing red bulls for the most part um so they're really good seeing the underlying numbers love them a lot they're like third or fourth hmm. in expected goal differential i have it pulled up here hold on sorry um but yeah the, the numbers love them a lot they really, really do so that's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, the other third in expected goal differential in the entire league dc united wow. um so if I had to put any money on anybody to to make the playoffs out of this group, it's probably DC. That
0: makes Atlanta's win over them just a few weeks ago even that more impressive. I did not know that. Oh yeah, totally. That was
1: huge. That was huge. Uh, maybe I should have communicated that better. But they uh, they're they're really good. Atlanta tonight's going to do some have to do something special against them. It'd be interesting to see for all the times Tata struggled against Red Bulls, and all the times this team has struggled against Red Bulls and teams that press a whole lot. It'd be interesting to see how Gonzalo Pinedo handles handles that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because maybe maybe he knows something that the other guys didn't. Well, uh, I'm interested to find out.
0: Well, and this is another great thing about bringing in a, a guy like Pineda, who has experience in the league, not just experience in the league, but as you know, is, has, is and has been a part of MLS is the fact that he's seen all these teams already and he already has probably a pretty good idea of what he would want to do against some of these teams and he knows their strengths and weaknesses. Granted he was in the Western conference, so he's not seeing these, some of these teams as much, but, uh, it still is really helpful to have a coach that already has a plan, especially when you've got kind of a congested fixture list like this. It'll help. It'll help. We'll see how it goes. Again, that's Saturday against DC and then Wednesday, of course, in Atlanta, Cincinnati
1: comes to town. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it for, for whatever that was. That was sports prime game time. I guess I forget the section names sometimes, but I do know that this section next check this, this, wow, I'm, I'm struggling here. Joe, play me out.
0: <laughs> let's, go. Questions. let's go. Let's go to break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again, our partners at lucid FC, for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out uh, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, The address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place, Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a a place to sell clothes. So that will be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra extra large, and the uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody, uh, and it has just launched, and it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC, Dot U S and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes.
1: Wow, what a break! What an incredible break! The best break, maybe the best break of all time. Tony, ask so is Gonzo a dude? And I I, I
0: want to give that a definitive yes right now. <laughs> yes, yeah? yes, one hundred percent. I mean. In every respect, honestly if you've seen the Aty and I videos that they've been putting up on Twitter now of like in the locker room um, some some of the behind the scenes stuff which is awesome first of all, it's just awesome that there's a coach <laughs> and uh, organization that is now allowing this uh, kind of footage to to see the light of day, but also you just see the way that he's handling this team the the vibes for lack of a better word, that are in this team right now. And the way that everybody respects him, everybody's feeling good. He gives them confidence as well. On top of all the kind of tactical stuff we were talking about earlier, it's just a really perfect combination.
1: Yeah, I was really excited to see a locker room video. Yeah. It was almost shocking to me, you know, to to see something like that again, to have access to the team and to kind of understand what's going on there. And of course, why would you not do it if it's going to make you look good? And it does make you look good because you're competent in your job. If you're Gonzalo Pineda. All right, So yeah. <laughs> good to see that kind of stuff for sure. For sure. Jacob Austin asked this. He says, is this good form smart decision-making or an example of a lady United spending their way out of problems, bringing in Ariujo and paying for Seattle to get Juarez seem like moves other MLS teams would make given how the season was going, but I'm not complaining about the results. I think it's probably a little bit of a mix of both, right? Like something I will always believe is that teams with money who have the infrastructure won't be bad for too right. long. Right. Like, Texas will never be completely terrible in football forever <laughs> yeah. and ever, even though it kind of seems like it because there's just too much damn money behind it. Same with a couple other teams. It's the same across all sports. Like the Yankees are going to win a world series again one day because they spend more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just how it works. And you know, if we, we get to be that team here in Atlanta for a little bit, I, I'm cool with it, but I mean, it was just like one move. The, the, the thing with paying Seattle for wire has reflected, reflected better on Seattle than, than us, honestly, because they kind of maneuvered us into that, you know? Um, so you bring in a DP, that's great. I I don't know how they do it. I still don't understand the cap mechanism that allowed them to do it. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's more, I think that it could have been put into a system under a a Heinze-like manager and still struggle just like everyone else, I think at this point.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you remember just kind of quickly on the side, do you remember under Gabriel Heinze when like every game, every single player on the field looked exhausted by like the 65th, 70th minute and then Atlanta United kept on giving up goals afterwards? Um, You know, you just don't see that anymore. But anyway, besides the point, You know, I think that this is it is smart, but I think to your point, yeah, the money is kind of a safety net for you. And that's the that's the joy of being at a club, (laughs) Uh, being a fan of a club that kind of has that money is that you're not going to have the huge dips that some other teams might have. You know, you can play money ball and you can if you. Make the right moves with that, you can have very high successes, but you can also have very low pitfalls. And I think that with what we've seen with Atlanta United, granted, they had a pretty low pitfall, but there were so many other kind of circumstances surrounding um, the what was it, second to last in in the Eastern Conference in 2020. Um, Really, this team is going to be more of a steady Eddie because you have that money. It's going to uh, prevent you from being through prolonged slumps. Um, But I think that it was also good, you know, it was good decision making. It was a good, clearly, a smart decision on the player they brought in Luis Araujo, um Gonzalo Pineda, I think was clearly the right manager to take over this team. So I think they've also made good decisions with that money, those resources that they have, and that's the kind of things that are going to, you know, lead Atlanta to success. Remember the goal is always to play money ball but have money
1: to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. money ball with money is the the Platonic ideal of what you want to do with this team. And right now it seems like they're turning more that way than they were maybe even a few months ago.
0: And even you know, to add to that point, the fact that what you just talked about in business time earlier in the show, the fact that Atlanta United is kind of looks like they are going to go more of to a, uh, you know, just like a deeper, you know, using the spe- second spectrum data and things like that. They're going to use more resources now to help them win games. And I think that you have to give a lot of credit to the decision makers in charge. I'm sure it's not just Gonzalo Pineda. It's probably, you know, Carlos Bocanegra as the technical director uh, will have say in this as well. So you got to give credit where it's due, um, even though we've, you know, we've criticized Carlos Bocanegra specifically and you know whoever else is making decisions in atlanta united's front office for not doing some of this stuff in the past i think when if if they're going to go in what we think is the right direction then you got to give them a lot of credit for doing that
1: yeah and that is something too like we do need to say that like those criticisms were warranted, right? Like yeah, it wasn't yeah. like, and like sneakily, like this team was actually good the whole time. Right. Cause right, they weren't. Right. And it was broken, right. you know, but we do also have to give credit when it gets fixed and it's I, getting fixed. It seems like.
0: I hope us specifically giving the team credit because we have been quite critical at times. I hope that that makes our, 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 um, our compliments of them even more impactful. I hope that it, <laughs> I hope that those ring true mm-hmm. because we're not trying to sugarcoat anything. We're just trying to, you know, say what it is. Exactly.
1: Exactly. A whole lot of changes in this team right now. And Kevin kind of hits at it. He asked, what was the biggest change you noticed? He said, there feels like there's more freedom to take space that became available and not feel restricted to your zone. I think that's a very good point. Um, He says right below this too, happy to see a hungry team that feels like they are playing together versus surviving. I like that
0: phrasing a lot. Mm. I like that phrasing a lot, Kevin. That's good. That's really good. I think tactically, one of the biggest things that I saw, one of the biggest differences playing in the back three, the center backs were very aggressive in jumping the lines and closing players down. And so when you play it like that, that's the that's the way a back three can be aggressive and forward thinking so many times even under frank DeBore at times when they played the back three especially like earlier in the season when we saw them playing the three four three he wanted that extra covering defender and that just kind of create what it ended up creating was just a back three that always sat back and was it was very hesitant to to jump forward and be aggressive and, and close down a marker but we saw a guy like george campbell doing that pretty consistently throughout the game and gonzalo pineda gave him credit and when you're so when you're playing that back three like that all of a sudden now you're playing on the front foot but the reason that you have, um, what allows you to be able to to do that is to have a cohesive back three that knows when one player goes up, you need cover in other respects. So, um, it was just very cohesive. And I think that that's, that's the biggest difference for me what I've seen. Well, speaking of the back three, Christian asked
1: this and and Kevin also had a follow-up question that kind of fits in nicely. Christian asked with such a strong performance from Campbell, do we now start four center backs? (laughs) That's a joke. That's that's good. Um, Kevin Gorham uh, also says this George Campbell officially one of the dudes. And I, I think they're both kind of getting at something here that there are four dudes at center back right now, yeah. which is a, a blessing and a curse, right? We, we got to kind of figure out what to do with that. Um, Joe Patrick, I, I think, I think there's a somewhat <laughs> easy answer um, oh, do you? because I, I do, I do. I, I think it seems pretty, pretty easy to, to go to a back four right now. Maybe not easy in the sense that it would be easy to implement and to, 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 Drill and instruct in a short span of only a, a couple of days here, but to get Joseph set to Moreno, at and Barco on the field all at the same time, I think it's the move.
0: Yeah, I think you have to start there. You have to start with your DPs and your attackers and how you get them performing as well as they can, because obviously the the objective of this game is to score goals, right? So you have to mm-hmm. kind of prioritize them and then build the team around them. How do you structure the team around those players that allows both them to perform to their best as well as giving the team enough kind of um, structural solidity. So I do agree with you overall that this team needs to be in a back four. I think that that, is, that serves those players the best. I think picking that back for is a more difficult, uh, more difficult question. I wouldn't hate seeing the team just give it Anton walks a rest here and there. I think he's played like almost every single game for this wow. team. Um, just wouldn't mind. Not, not that he's been bad at all. And I think that once you get to the playoffs, I think that he's probably one of the ones you want in there. Uh, it's probably still walks and miles, I would think, if, if you're picking your top two center backs. It's tough because Alan Franco has, you know, his performance has gotten way better over the last month or so. And obviously, we just saw what we saw from George Campbell. But I don't know. That that's, that's another discussion. But I wouldn't mind in the short term seeing Anton Walks get a little bit of a break if they can afford to do that, if they have all these guys healthy.
1: Yeah, and I think we may see that on Wednesday. You know, with the short rest kind of game, um, it will be interesting to see exactly what they do. Because again, that's not a whole lot of time to implement uh, changes.
0: To, to Christian's question, we you clarified that we want to back four, but not all four of the center backs on
1: the field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess you could. <laughs> like, if you have Anton to right back, and you do maybe Campbell. Uh, Left back? I, mean, I don't know. I guess you don't really do that, but it's a thought. It's a thought. Um, let's move on to this. Let's, let's go to the front then. Uh, Greg asks, how are you feeling about a potential, potential Barco sale now? Break even? Still a bit of a loss? And and Pierce follows up. If Barco maintains this level, but the team only gets lowball offers to the extent him, like LAFC did at Toesta or sell? That question is getting increasingly, increasingly tougher by the day. And I I don't know why. I don't know what's happened I generally don't. I don't know if it's just him being healthy for an extended period, and and you know part of it is that he looks fitter than he's ever been. You know, the running is more. Um, there's just more of it, right? Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he seems stronger when he runs. He seems he's all healthier over the place. overall, like a yeah, terrier for sure, for sure. I, I don't know what happened. I want to know what happened at the Olympics. <laughs> I want to know what was in Tokyo that that changed you got, him as you got a the human. green
0: smoothies. Something, gr- <laughs> <man>. <laughs> um, I don't know. Okay. So with Barco, it's, it's, it's tough. Uh, he's playing great. And I think that that will help facilitate a move for him um, probably at a higher price than you were looking at uh, six weeks ago or so. Um, I still think that, you know, the team will have to sell him. Um, yeah, I think part of the reason that these performances have been so good is because he is kind of properly motivated right now. And he's playing like, um, He's playing like his career is kind of on the line, which I think it is to an extent. So it's great to see that. But I think that it's all kind of pointing towards a move for him, especially because his contract is winding down. If you just let it wind down another year, then you're not going to be able to get anything for him and he'll just leave for a free. So I think you do will need to sell him. I still think it also will happen at a loss, Um, not necessarily because of uh, what is indicative of his play, but more so because of the market factors and that um, the market market is just so wacky right now, uh, across the globe because of how teams have been impacted by COVID and, and their, and just finances are really weird. The Premier League has an insane amount of money and basically nobody else has anything (laughs) to spend unless you're one of the huge, you know, super clubs. So I do think that he, his mark, his price will be depressed, but, um, you know, I still think you have to feel good if he can just give you everything he has for the rest of the season, help you have a successful finish to the year and then get whatever you can for him. Assuming that you have um, Tiago Amada kind of waiting in the wings. The nightmare scenario is
1: Kaku or Kyle Laren. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like the nightmare scenario is he just goes because he can. Mm -hmm. And there is like nothing you can do about it. You know? So, I mean, you, you gotta, you probably have to get it done just because of the contract. But if you can squeeze a ton of success performances out of him, uh, out of this last little stretch here, I mean, seems like a win for everyone involved, right? And I don't, I, I want to know why. I don't understand what's happened to him. Uh, he's, he, every bit of talent we thought he had that hadn't shown up over the last few years is suddenly there. Is suddenly there along with the mentality. And maybe that's just working in concert with each other, but it's all there right now. Um, and it's fun to watch.
0: I, uh, I I repushed uh, Josh Bagransky's piece on Barco that he wrote about a month ago or so, and that really kind of goes through kind of his whole career and how it's meandered from his first year to where he is now, and and there are lots of circumstances that have impacted his career from stuff that he's created through, you know, some of the obvious, you know, drama around the team and also some injuries that he's suffered. And I think that one of the biggest reasons right now that he's performing so well is just, he's had a really good long run in the team. Uh, I know he's obviously missed some time on international duty, but he's had some good performances there as well, but he just hasn't had these kind of knee injuries or whatever it is when he's gotten kicked in the past. And, and, um, had to sit for six weeks and then he plays a couple games and is out for another month or something like that. You know, that, that hasn't happened this year. So he's just been able to kind of get in a good rhythm. I think that helps you get in a rhythm with your teammates and it all just kind of snowballs in a positive way.
1: Well, just a few minutes ago, I started mentioning players I thought you had to have in the team and obviously Barco is one of them. You can go back and listen to this, but just hit that 15 second button and figure out wherever the heck that was a few seconds ago. But I said another name that I surprised myself by saying, and I don't know if this was like a 40 in slip or maybe something I truly believe, but his name stuck in there. And these next two questions are about him. And, and for a pretty decent reason, I think Christian asked, is a productive, effective Hossetu? The new norm or just a tease and Garcessa follows up. What's the reason for Hossetu's form? Is it as easy as having Garouju, another Brazilian on the team to help him? Does anyone else speak Portuguese? <laughs> uh, as far as I know, no one else speaks Portuguese except for one of the the translators for the team, who is also an assistant coach. I don't, I don't quite know his his background um, as far as who is translating for for Matheus and Louise, um, but probably more than just having another Brazilian on the team. Uh, I, I <laughs> yeah, I know they're friends, so it helps. Seems cool. I mean, they, it just like, helps them settle and stuff, stuff. But yeah, yeah, for sure, it helps a little bit, but it's not everything. It's not everything. I think. He talked to us a bit bit about that during the press conference and just kind of mentioned how difficult last year was just from a pandemic perspective, of course, from getting to a new city and having the pandemic go down and then to be so out of form that he really wouldn't even get in play in time anywhere in the organization. Um, And it took a lot for us to get to this point, right? Like it's like injuries. It took people being out, um, but he's fit in well and shockingly played a bunch of forward passes against orlando that yeah. was the thing yep, like initially yep. i looked at joe at one point after he made like a backwards pass and deep in his own final third to start the game and i went oh boy here we, <laughs> here we go this passing chart's going to be hilarious and then it turned out that he tried to find people in front of him he tried to find runners and not only that but was making runs from midfield i thought it was really interesting to see him make runs from that second level and, and try to get in behind um he was energetic he was effective and if it is the norm, it's going to go a long way for Atlanta.
0: Yeah, he looked like he had a different level of confidence just in the way that you spoke again about his range of passing was much different than what we've seen in the past, where before it's almost funny when you look at his past maps, they almost look like dots instead of actual lines <laughs> of passing because they're so short because he's just been kind of giving the ball to whoever is standing right next to him um that wasn't the case on friday and and to your point he was making runs in like really trying to help in the final third with that combination play and you love to see it and you know he admitted that he didn't really settle into the team in 2020 because of all the pandemic restrictions It's just you can understand why that would be so tough when you don't even speak the language in this country that you're in and you can't do anything. You can't be around anybody outside of the training ground because of, you know, because of covid protocols and things like that. You just can't. You can't integrate both on the pitch or off. And so I think that you're seeing um, some of that kind of comfortability kind of play in. And the fact that he just looks more confident and like he's not he's not out there looking like he's dr- not trying to make a mistake. Like Friday, he looked like he was mm. out there trying to make a positive impact. And I think that that's the kind of Mateus Rosetto that obviously you want to see. And if you get that player, then he's going to be a positive impact on the team.
1: We should mention that Santiago Sarso picked up a yellow card and he'll yeah. be out of the midfield. On Wednesday, which I mean, if you're going to be out for any game, I guess Cincinnati is the one. Um, But it it really does seem like as things go on, Hosetsu is a clear part of this midfield, which is really, really surprising. Um, It'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays. Maybe Marseille and him can play together on Wednesday and we'll see how that works. It may be the only option. I don't know, maybe most healthy, yeah. most healthy.
0: So we'll see. Yeah, he could he could get back in there. Uh, I think, you know, we all know that Mateus Rosetto pretty much since he's been here has always had a pretty high passing percentage. He just, he doesn't, he's not easily dispossessed, but Friday was next level. He had, he was 98% passing percentage, uh, which wow. is not normally something I care about, but only one incomplete pass and 45 completed passes. That is pretty good. That is the kind of, um, you know, press resistant midfielder that can really help out the whole team you know whenever you can kind of get one of those guys darlington nagby was was similar um not always doing it passing but uh yeah just hope if if we get that mateus rosetto for the rest of the season it's an even more of an added bonus than any of these other guys we've talked about
1: let's move on to this christian says john leach in the discord had a fantastic post about the data from American soccer analysis revealed how the demise of Columbus was not surprising. Is there some data that shows the Atlanta United team under Pineda are more or less dangerous than we know? Uh, please bring in Teodol football to expand on your response. We'll get Teodol hey. on the, the Patreon at some point here, I think in the future. I think this um, this Friday,
0: I think we're scheduled to oh, talk to him. Cool. Yeah. Look
1: at that. Look we're
0: going we're going to, we're doing two patrons episodes this week since we didn't have one last week. Uh, that post that, that John posted
1: was from Doyle's Sunday column on the mothership. Uh, but I just want to say, I want to be petty real quick and be like, I, I was shitting on Columbus before, before (laughs) just about anyone on MLS. So, I mean, when Caleb Porter beat Atlanta United, who did he call out? He called out the power rankings you know who writes those <laughs> yeah. bad boys me you know who's won and goddamn eight since then columbus and caleb porter yes. so well, well. man i don't i think his real sin there is, is not saying anything bad about the power rankings Is it's caring about the power rankings <laughs> right, It's never right. a care about the power rankings guys come on we, we know better than this as far as the analytics though it's really i've been thinking about that today i've been thinking about today as i was kind of going through and, and writing some things about atlanta united um because the the overall expected goal differential isn't phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, with this team, you you are basically looking at two different eras, right? Of team at this <laughs> point, you know that all the especially the expected goals allowed, a lot of that is under the Heinze regime, <laughs> I guess <laughs> is what we'll call it, which may be more appropriate than than we realize. Um, so I, it's tough to gauge right now, but when you look at results like what you get against. Orlando, you know, with 1.6 XG to 0. 0.3, you can tell that things are getting better. And of course, Kyoto Football will say this as well, I'm gonna speak for him because I know exactly what he'd say. He'd say that any data points with your eyes are also, it's also data. All yeah, of that is yeah, data,
0: yeah.
1: right? And we can clearly see that there's been a significant change in this team.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of, a, when it comes to some of the the analytics, I. You were kind of mentioning this, but I don't think you can really take much from earlier in the season because this is kind of such a different team right now. When you talk about, it was Gonzalo Pineda's second game in charge of the team. Um, and you have Luis araujo who's very new to the team as well. Uh, I, yeah, I just, it, it's, I think it would be foolish to try to look back at stats and, and data from that totally different regime, as you said, and try to apply it to this team. because so I just don't think it fits and makes sense. Now, if someone's smart, like, I don't know, maybe someone in our discord who just created
1: an entire analytical stat website for college football would maybe i don't know want to look at the xg <laughs> difference between the two eras that'd be cool all I, you tech kids out there listening get at us maybe possibly
0: <laughs> there there would probably be some second spectrum data that's like more specific towards certain players and things that you could take mm-hmm. some some things out of but as far as like expected goals and things like that over the course of the season i'm i'm not really focusing on it at all honestly well, you kind of mentioned the, the
1: players, too. It would be super interesting to maybe see if we maybe John Miller can do this. Maybe someone from ASA can get at this. But the difference in goals added in over the course of, of the season with, yeah. you know, players under INSEE and players under Valentino and, and Pineda now would be really interesting, I think, because that's a that's an interesting way to kind of gauge where players specifically are. And I would imagine the goals added is extremely high, you know, because Marcy really kind of came on too after Heinze left. Yeah. Now he's still second or third in the league and goals added. I,
0: I think you can probably draw some sharp judgments on how the Heinze uh era compared to what the team has been doing since because you have some sharp changes in that period where, especially defensively that has all changed and the way they defend zonally versus uh, the man marking scheme that they had under Heinze. And then that probably affects what you were saying with Marcelino Moreno, just the freedom that he then has to go out and attack and and not be kind of um, burdened by, you know, his the man that he's marking and, and the energy it takes to do something like that. But I don't know. If I still don't know if it has any kind of relevance like going forward. These are all questions I
1: guess we can ask to you on Friday on the Patreon. Again, yeah. patreon.com slash five star final. Um, let's do this. Real quick, real quick, because we had a couple questions about it, and I I hate doing these over <laughs> yeah audio, yep. but we'll we'll try this. Greg, ask what's your best eleven formation at this point. I think it's a four two three one. I think your center backs are Miles and Walks. Fullbacks are the same. I think your midfield: Sosa, Hasetu, Moreno, and of course your attackers are are Joseph up top, and then Era Uju and Barco on the wing.
0: That's so, exactly what I would have. Right. Exactly.
1: Cool. Sweet. We did, we did that quick. That was nice.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: do you want to... <sighs> Logan Ashogun <the> <laughs> ask? could you give a rundown <laughs> on how homegrown deals work, as in are there limits to numbers of players, etc.? And who from the twos do you think is next in line for a homegrown deal? I personally don't want to get into the mechanics of how it works exactly. Just know that you can bring players on and they don't count against your salary Mm -hmm. because they're your homegrowns that you have found in
0: they go on the supplemental roster. Yeah.
1: yeah, (laughs) Yes. Which of course (laughs) gets into the fact that their roster spots one through 30 on an MLS roster. And I'm falling asleep (laughs) doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who from the twos do you think is next in line for a homegrown deal? Look, don't worry about just don't, I mean, you can worry about that stuff if you want to. And there's like those, there's like glossaries on like the MLS website that explain all this, but I don't know if we're going to enhance your fandom by explaining the intricacies of homegrown deals.
0: I'll give you I'll give you a few names to just kind of keep an eye on Caleb Wiley is the big one. I could definitely see him getting one considering he's a left back. And if George Bellow is sold in the offseason, that would seem to be to me to be kind of like a natural replacement. Granted, again, I'm not as familiar with all the mechanics and stuff. So uh, but he's definitely one that has been showing quite a bit of success with the twos coming from the academy that would qualify him as a homegrown. Um Coleman Gannon is another one. I don't know. He might just sign a twos deal, but it does sound like he is going to sign a professional deal with Atlanta based on some reports from, uh, from, I think Indiana or something, I think which is where he was going to go to college. Um, so there's another one to keep an eye on. Ada McFadden has been fantastic. He was a third round pick. Heard. Yeah, yeah he, he was a third round pick. Um, for the club out of Notre Dame. He, he was a attacking midfielder. I want to say, uh, but he's been playing at right wing back and he has been really, really good, uh, has quality too. So he's another one to keep an eye on. I think those are probably the big three I would look at right now, but there's a lot of quality in that twos team. I got to say, um, some impressive prospects. I'm not as high on some of the international guys that are there that have gotten some press. Uh, Matias Benitez, I think is his name. Um, from Argentina came Darwin, um, uh, Darwin Mateus is also another one from Venezuela, not as high on those guys personally, but you know, who knows they obviously wouldn't qualify as homegrowns anyway. So how's our boy Rocco doing? He's still alive. Oh, he's, he, yeah, he, he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's got a weird clause if, from what I recall that he, like Atlanta would have to buy him for like $3 million or something. Yeah, still might be worth it for the team because yeah. he's not an international player. Cause he's an American citizen um, born in Los Angeles, but uh, he has been fantastic. One of the best goalkeepers in uh USL actually. Love Adam
1: McFadden doing well as well. Cause I will never forget our first interview with him didn't and even know basically he was getting like drafted. his basement, you know, whatever. <laughs> he didn't even know he was Awful eligible. College house in South Bend. I'm sure he's living in it. yeah. so, I mean, Phenomenal. He phenomenal. was like in I, an
0: unfinished I, basement. I think when he yeah, was like, I feel doing like <laughs> I could see like and Maddie lights, like just out <laughs> yeah. of frame, you know, maybe
1: I'm making that up, but I feel like I could i feel like i could uh jeff patrick i feel like i could just haul off and do a quick segment of rapid fire bo burke asks those little flags banners that the cat has exchanged for the coin flip what happens to those like is there a room just full of them i'm gonna ask parker this i get, I, good, I, I, don't yeah, we've all, I don't know i've yeah. seen i feel like i've seen them in lockers have you seen them in lockers before like after a game i don't recall so i have um, have you i have so someone holds on to them maybe hmm. the players do sign but up for the patreon just we'll find them out into a room. yeah sure why not can't use that ask how many goals do you think Aruju finishes the season with of that number how many are not left footed curlers <laughs> from beyond <laughs> the 18 i think he finally gets one of those i will i will put the over under at one and a half for left footed coolers curlers from beyond the 18 and maybe take the under because those are really hard but i think he gets a couple more i think what we got 11 games left 11 i can left. see five goals would be nice I, I think that's plausible right i was gonna say four but
0: i'll go with five over two. under four
1: and a half then okay i yeah, take, the take the over there you <laughs> go. um john leach says rapid fire three years from now george campbell is sold for more money than miles robinson true mm. or
0: false i love the question i'm, just, I'm I don't. saying i'm saying true i'm saying true I like true too i love he's younger the he's, he's much younger, he's younger. yeah
1: mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think he's
0: better at his age than miles robinson
1: was at his age i would agree I would agree. Uh, maybe just not the athletic upside, I guess, would be the thing. Um, but we'll have three years to figure that out. Yeah. Love a good homegrown. Puttenhead Wilson said, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Ask, is Atlanta good at set pieces? Did the ball just happen to bounce the right way twice? Um, that's pretty much all set pieces are, I think. I, I, I'd be interested to look at like the analytics of like what makes teams actually good at set pieces because it kind of feels like luck, right? Yeah. To some extent.
0: But I got to say in, that, in, in the game Friday, I don't think it was as much luck uh, because, you know, of what Pineda said, they studied what they mm-hmm. wanted to do and executed it.
1: Over the over a long enough arc though, I'm not sure how right, much right, you know, right. you're gonna be able to, to pull those kind of things off. But I don't know. We'll see. Zach call us to ask Orlando bad? Uh but they've only scored like more than one goal like once in the last two months. So You were calling maybe. this you
0: were calling this during the game. You're like, I think Orlando's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's was. I was like I think they've been secret trash for like a good
1: <laughs> month and a half now. Um, they'll figure it out. They're too talented not to, but man, right now the machine is is sputtering it'd be for, so for fun of if reasons. these two
0: teams match up in the playoffs I think yeah, it could, very well
1: could happen because Orlando's in third right now Our sixth is very much in reach for Atlanta United that could be the first round matchup but one-off in Orlando between Atlanta United cool. and the Magic Kingdom Kitties that'd be a lot of fun Michael Barbaro asks I'm too busy for <laughs> real questions <laughs> but my friend wants to know who's getting Chicken Sandies at the UGA game Saturday I'm UGA gamed out. I, I will not be getting sand, chicken sandies because Charlotte and being in Athens last weekend wore me out. However, I did get the Zaxby's ice while I was there at the Georgia game. They got Zaxby's ice in the cups now. That was huge. That was big. It was big. Clutch. Oh, Tony ice.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Love it. Exactly. Huge, right? Uh, Tony asked, why are the Gamecocks going to pull an upset this weekend and by how much? Uh, South Carolina plays Georgia. <laughs> South Carolina recently <laughs> just beat Eastern Carolina by uh, three whole points. Um, they're playing a, a grad transfer, a grad assistant, who was a grad assistant until like four weeks before the season. And then they said, hey, actually, we need <laughs> you to play quarterback. instead to the coach. <laughs> um, so... Uh, man for why why are the Gamecocks going to pull an upset this weekend because JT Daniels doesn't play because of his oblique and
0: there will be a fake punt in Sanford
1: Stadium falls into a crater I I I can't see that happening but then again I couldn't see that a few years ago either uh Logan the Shogun
0: asks, is it Wednesday yet maybe I'm so excited. I'm, I can't wait for Wednesday. I can't wait to get back in there and see this team play again. Depends on when you're listening, Logan. Uh, Christian says,
1: do we have a guest for this next pod? Clearly not. Clearly not. But we do have Michael Parker, and Greg Garza tomorrow, Tuesday, patreon.com slash five final. And Chris, Ev have asked, uh, rapid fire, did Pineda lose to Nashville on purpose just so his first win could be over Orlando? And, and buddy, we have to think so. <laughs> we have to think so. And that Clearly. was rapid fire joe any thoughts before we get
0: out of here no i'm just so excited i mls cup all the way we're on we're, It's gonna happen
1: tell your friends get everyone back into this start paying attention again
0: <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's worth paying attention to i promise i promise this is a whole lot of fun right now um and it's fun to cover from our perspective as well and it's it's good to have people more engaged love it keep being engaged keep bringing love more it. people into this because this is, this is this is happening, whether you want to see or not, folks. Buckle up, buckle up, and let's get out of here. We love you. Bye, y'all.
0: Thanks for tuning in everyone to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.